Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In the New Testament, it's a man who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith, even to the greatest trials and sufferings. It's fortitude, perseverance, being willing to persevere through difficulty. And that's certainly something that the church at this time in history needed, and certainly something that we need. To have fortitude, to have perseverance, because things aren't easy, are they? Are things easy? Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob continues to examine the second epistle of Peter and his list of fruitful actions to grow our faith. He reminds us that we must persevere in godliness to become mature Christians. Perseverance is not easy, as we all know. As students of the Bible, we know that Jesus even told us that if we wish to follow him and be his disciple, we must take up our cross daily in order to follow him. In Matthew 7:13, Jesus tells us, "Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it." Let's join Pastor Rob now with today's study. <laughs> Revelry, drunkenness, lewdness, lust. Boy, it sounds inviting. It just sounds so dark, foreboding. But notice verse 13, or 14, he says this, "But put on Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. To fulfill its lusts. You know, I I know I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I am a broken record. Thank you. (laughs) Our culture, so filthy. Everything, the music, the movies, the magazines, the social media especially, TV, advertising. Let's give our culture and the world something to see, that there's something different about us. There's something different about you. I follow the beat to a different drummer, and that drummer is Jesus. I follow him. Are you following him, or are you following the sound of the Pied Piper of this world, the devil himself, showing you all the things that are glitter and that are gold and that sound right and that feel good? Be careful of your feelings. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Jesus said to his disciples in that night in, in the Gethsemane before he was taken, he says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It is, isn't it? Do you find yourself in that place? Sometimes, Lord, I know, Lord, you're so willing, and I'm just, I'm just not quite there, Lord. I'm feeling kind of weak. But are you actively developing this kind of life, being in partnership with the Spirit of God, 
We know this very well. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then after that, the things that qualify love. And what are they? We know them. Joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Notice, there's something that we have to do. It doesn't happen by osmosis. There is the Spirit of God dwelling in us, right? He wants to do this work in us. But I have this scary thing where I can, this, these blessings and this power, this strength, everything that he wants to give me, the assurance, I have the scary ability to reach up and like a tourniquet, grab it, and just kind of squeeze it, and nothing comes out, and I'm the one who suffers. Until I let that go, and I just let God do it. Are you tired of trying to do it? Let God do it. Surrender again, afresh. Today, don't wait till tomorrow. Surrender again. Say, Lord, I've been yours for years, and yet I still feel like I'm not surrendered. Let today be the day you surrender You need to have an assurance of your calling, of your election. But he goes on in verse 5, he says, And add to your faith virtue. This is goodness. That's what it means. It means moral excellence. And we all know the famous uh, virtue. Patience is a virtue, right? It's a moral excellency. It's a good thing. Because we know that it's something that doesn't happen naturally. And I know that because I've been on the highway. I've been waiting in line. How many of you last night were watching the fireworks at some place, and then as soon as the grand finale went off, you're all running for your cars. Some people are smart, and they're watching from their, they're watching the grand finale from their car. But then you get stuck in traffic, and 45 minutes later, you finally arrive home. Right? Patience is not something that we have of our own ability. It is a supernatural thing. He says, and add to your faith virtue. And then to virtue or to this moral excellence, add knowledge. The idea is gnosis. It means a more deeper, perfect knowledge of Christ, of things that are lawful and unlawful for Christians, moral wisdom, these kinds of things, especially knowledge of the Lord and his word. Do you know Jesus? Do you know his character? Do you know what he's like? You know, many of the greatest Bible teachers and preachers were voracious readers about many different subjects. They wouldn't get, just get books about theology. They'd get books about astronomy and biology. And there, there have been preachers like Tozer and others who would go to the library and buy books on all these different kinds of subjects because they wanted to learn not only the, the, the theology about God himself, but as you look at these other things, you see you're amazed at what you don't know. And then when you start to learn, isn't it fascinating? I love to learn. Do you still love learning? Do you love to learn about things that you don't know? Because when you learn things that you don't know or have never learned before, it opens up your brain and, and, and you're like, God, I, I didn't even, I didn't even consider that. That's amazing. This is what, you know, and people have studied this their whole life. And even though they may be secular, you can learn a lot. Don't ever lose that desire to learn. I tell you what, it's one of the most wonderful things in the world when you're like, you like to learn. Break down the wall in your heart. If you've gotten to that stagnant place, learn. Learn everything you can, but always through the lens of the Scripture. 
and interpret everything that you do read through the lens of Scripture. Take the facts, take the good things that you might glorify your Father which is in heaven. Because let me tell you, if you understand microscopic biology and you look under a microscope, electron microscope, and you look at those things and you do what these scientists have done, you're going to come away with your jaw hitting the ground and you're going to see amazing order at infinitesimal levels that that are just, it, it, there's no possible way these things evolve. Are you kidding me? Something exploded a long time ago, and then there's order out of an explosion? Somebody's sniffing a lot of glue. Somehow this, this mic, microorganism evolved through mutations. Mutations don't continue to evolve. Mutations are the poisons within the DNA that it gets them out, and that thing dies off. Mutations don't become something beautiful and continue to develop order. No, mutations are the aberrants of our DNA that get weeded out very quickly. So what's this noise? <laughs> what's this noise that we have in our culture? In our schools? Nonsense. Nonsense. In verse 6 he says, Add to your knowledge self-control. Self-control, temperance especially in your desires and your passions, your sensual appetites. And boy, this is something that uh, the Christians at this time, they needed to know. Add to your knowledge temperance. Everywhere around them, they were seeing the, the really horrible things. The Roman uh, culture was filthy, and they were surrounded by it. They needed to understand and to live and to example, exemplify temperance, Temperance, self-control. And you know, either with our actions or with our speech, we can lack self-control. Do you notice that? It's not just something physical that we do. It's something we can do with this mouth. Remember what James said. He said, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anything, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, meaning a mature man, also able to bridle the whole body. And the idea is that our tongue, we can be so, we can lack self-control with not just our bodies and, and lashing out in anger, but with our mouth. More often than not, it's our mouth that lacks self-control. And James would tell us to watch over that thing. Let the Spirit of God govern your mouth, your heart, because from your heart, those things come forth. So, Lord, govern my heart that and set a gate at my mouth so that when I'm about to say anything, and this is something that I'm learning, because in my earlier years, I felt like I had Tourette syndrome because I would just say whatever's on my mind, good or bad. And now there's this wonderful gatekeeper, and he's actually here in my heart, and it's getting better. You find that you sometimes you shoot off your mouth without thinking, and it's usually in a fit of passion, rage, anger. Oh, you need to be careful, because a word, an action can spark something so quick. It happens on the road every day. Have you ever seen somebody get so mad, somebody pulls out in front of them, they actually stop their car in the middle of the highway, and they're getting out of the car, and you're like, whoa. It's like, what happened here? Instead of being governed. See, a, a, a child of God is the only one on the planet who has this ability. Because we have the Spirit of God in us. But the natural man, he's just doing what comes naturally. 
survival of the fittest. If you make, make somebody makes you mad, pull out a gun, run them over with a car. But in the same verse, is add to knowledge to self-control, and then to self-control, perseverance. Per, to, to, and then perseverance is really fortitude. It's really, in the New Testament, it's a man who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith, even to the greatest trials and sufferings. It's fortitude, perseverance, being willing to persevere through difficulty. And that's certainly something that the church at this time in history needed, and certainly something that we need. To have fortitude, to have perseverance, because things aren't easy, are they? Are, are things easy? I don't know. Things, as long as I've been alive, it seems like ever since I was born, isn't it true? It, it's it's a it's a fight from the moment you come out of the womb. Actually, it's a fight when you're in the womb still. Because if you're fortunate enough to be born without being aborted, it's a fight once you get out. If you make it out of the womb, it's still a fight till the day you die. It's a fight, folks. We have to fight the good fight. And then to perseverance, godliness, reverence, respect. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul said this, This I say, therefore, and testify, beginning in verse 17, I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, notice that their past feeling, they've given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. With greediness. But he says, verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off. Here it is again. This is something we have to do. Put off concerning your former conduct, this old man, this old nature that we had before Christ, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you may what? Put on, put on the new man. The, the spirit of God is in you, but we have to do something with that. And we have everything within us to do it. It's like God is there. He's just waiting for us to pull the, pull the triggers. And be willing to be governed by his goodness, by those traits of his, which are all perfect. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and in holiness. Notice, put off and put on. Wax on, wax off, Daniel's son. Right? Put off. We have to put off something in order to put something on again. Isn't that natural? I don't go home and put on a suit over the top of this. Hopefully today I'm not putting on a suit at all. You get my idea. You have to put something off to put something on. Put off all that stuff from your former life and put on Christ. Put him on. And then verse 7, to godliness, brotherly kindness. This idea is Philadelphia. This is where we get Philadelphia, the, bro- the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia is the kind of love that we have for each other. Brothers and sisters, we love each other. It's a Philadelphia. And hopefully it goes beyond even that to agape, which we're going to get to in a minute. But brotherly love. And then to godly godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. This is agape. This is benevolence, true benevolence. And that is... Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. I'm no longer looking after number one. 
which I'm not number one, neither are you, by the way. There's only num- one number one. Let's look after number one, but we know what that means, right? We look after Jesus, but we look after others. That is the truest sense of this word. When you're willing to go without so that somebody else can have. When you would rather be wrong so that somebody else could be blessed. That is what love, real love is. Because that's the love that was demonstrated on the cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a paradox. I deserve death, but he took that for me, that penalty of eternal damnation for eternity. He took that penalty on the cross for me so that I could live, so that you could live. That is true agape love. It makes no sense. The world can't understand it because the world is all about you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You do something for me, I do something for you. But the moment you stop doing something for me, all bets are off. You cease to be my friend, you cease to be useful to me. But God says, even though you've done nothing and you've gone the opposite direction, even though you're worshiping the devil, I still love you and I'm going to come after you. That's the kind of love. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul again would say, verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Again, this is a command. Put on these things. Tender mercies. Well, i got better find out what tender mercies is. I need to ask God to give me these tender mercies, and I'll be merciful to people. What does it mean? Where is it in the scripture? Where can I see good examples of it? I need to appropriate that in my own life. I need to turn the switch. I need that tender mercy. I need to put on kindness, humility, meekness. I need to put on meekness instead of thinking that I'm something to know that God can do something with nothing. In fact, he prefers to do something with nothing. When I think I am nothing, he can do great things. But as long as I am ensconced in my own uh, pride and in my own self-worth, I'm of no use to him. I'm of no value, really, for the kingdom. But I need to put on long-suffering patience. I need to bear with one another, forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do also. But notice this. But above, but above all these things, verse 14, what? Put on. Put on something. What does he say? Put on love. And it's the same word that we read here in verse 7. Agape. Agape which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Don't you want peace? Don't you want the assurance that you're right with God to know that you're one of his and that he's called you? Are you, are you here this morning and still thinking, I, I really don't know what God has for my, has for me? That's okay. But start today and ask, Lord, what is it that you would have for me to do? You called me. You, you, you've elected me. You've chosen me. I need to know what it is. He goes on in verse 8 and he says, But if these things are yours, we're back in Second Peter here, verse 8. For if these things, if these things abound, are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The idea of being barren is basically being lazy. That's the idea. You could read it this way. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be lazy nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in Philippians, work out your own salvation. Let God, he's, he's given you this wonderful deposit, this down payment, this earnest in your heart, the Holy Spirit, work out what he has already placed in. And, and that's something that we have to do under the inspiration and the power of the Spirit of God. You have to put off something, put on something, You've put on Christ, now let's do. (laughs) 
Let's do it. Let's act like children of God. For verse 9, he who lacks these things is short-sighted. In other words, they're, they're like looking through a smoky, in like a smoky room. They're, 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 they're kind of blinded. He who lacks these things, if, if you lack these things, your growth is going to be stunted. You're going to feel less than what you should be, than le- less than what God wants you to be. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be encouraged. He wants you to be fruitful. But if I'm lacking these things, then I am going to be short-sighted. I'm going to feel like I'm blind. And he goes on and he says, and have you forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins? Have you forgotten that you've been cleansed? Or do you constantly look back in your past and constantly beat yourself up for the same thing over and over again? For some reason, it's so hideous to you that you cannot allow God to forgive you. You've asked him to forgive you, and he's forgiven you. Yet I go back to the grave site again, and I start digging through the clothes, and I start looking at him again, and the guilt and the fear and the angst come back. The the, the lack of assurance comes back. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you asked, like it says in 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our sins and all unrighteousness. We honor God when we take him at his word. If you've confessed it, confess it and forget about it. Don't look back upon it ever again. Don't bring it up ever again. Because he doesn't. Let me read to you. Write these scriptures down because I'll be honest with you. These are going to be a great help to you. I'm going to read the verses to you and I'm going to read them to you. Please write them down because you need to hear these. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 34. God speaking of Israel yet in the future. He says, no more, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they all shall know me from the last of them to the greatest of them says the Lord. And here it is. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Psalm 103 verse 11 and 12. The author says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Here it is. As far as the east is from the west, which, by the way, they never meet, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. East to west, they never meet. You can continue to going east all around the earth, and you're going to continue to go east. Does that make sense? You're never going to go west. You're always going east. They never meet. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Micah chapter 7, beginning in verse 18 and 19. What does it say? Micah 7, verses 18 and 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Verse 19, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our enemies. And here it is, you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Into the depths of the sea. So why are you looking backward? Why are you looking back on old sins? When he has cast them, far as the east is from the west, they'll never meet. He's cast them into the sea, the depths of the sea. In Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow by the blood of Christ. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What about Isaiah chapter 38, verse 17? 
Isaiah 38, verse 17, Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. Here it is, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. God has a wonderful, perfect memory. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He has the ability to perfectly forget. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in Peter's second epistle. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.